that's what I see self-compassion is doing. That's why I'm so enthusiastic about it, because I really believe it has the potential to significantly improve people's lives because it's changing that core relationship as well. Before where I could be maybe judgmental of myself and other people, I'm a lot more kind of open-minded and it's opening up more experiences because, you know, I'm less harsh on other myself, so I'm going to be less harsh on others. That just naturally follows. Hello, everyone. This is Joseph, your host, and I want to give you a warm welcome to another episode of the podcast, Coaching in Focus where on every episode I am in discussion with a different coach talking about a particular aspect of coaching practice to help you understand the profession better and spark some curiosity into what we do. My guest on today's episode is the amazing Lauren McQuaid. Lauren is a certified mental fitness coach who specializes in the life-changing skill of self-compassion, which is also our topic for today's podcast episode. And since 2018, Lauren has presented her own weekly mental health and well-being show on Sterling City Radio. Lauren has overcome challenges with her own mental health in the past, and she is committed to helping people build their own self-esteem and self-awareness in order to overcome any self-imposed limitations so that ultimately they can go to live happy, fulfilling and abundant lives. And I'm really excited to have a chat with Lauren. It's really nice to see you today um, on this uh, sunny August day. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. No, I'm doing good. Great, great. And I'm really excited about today's topic. It's something that I personally am really interested in because it's got links, I feel, to acceptance, commitment, coaching, uh, which is a part of coaching that I, that I use quite a lot in my own practice as well. But I'm intrigued about you. Tell me a bit about yourself as well. What got you into coaching, into, into this space of self-compassion? Yeah, well, I had a quite interesting kind of journey, I guess, to kind of get into this area. Um, my background's in education and training and learning and development. And I had my own coaching business uh, for about 10 years based in St Andrews um, in sort of 2010. And I worked with executives from around the world who came across to Scotland uh, to St Andrews specifically for two weeks. And I did some coaching with them and then they uh, played golf and did some cultural experiences. So I enjoyed that. And it, it kind of really... Um, ticked a lot of boxes in terms of my interests, like I was interested in languages, I was interested in teaching and coaching, and um, so I did that for eight years, I decided to, I made a life change, and probably I think it was about four years ago now, so I, I've lived with a condition called bipolar disorder since I was in my early 20s, and I've had kind of episodes, maybe four or five throughout those 20 years that have been quite significant, and the last one was Four, four years ago, so 2017, and it was a really difficult time. Um, and coming out of that 
I always say when I come out of these difficult, dark periods, um, usually a little transformation occurs uh, within me. And that's really what happened. And when I came out, of that, I, I spoke to a lot of other coaches and I was trying to think about what I wanted to, what area I wanted to coach in. And at the same time, I discovered self-compassion. I read the book Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff. And it just spoke to me so deeply. And I thought, this is it. This is what I need. And I started to put self-compassion into my own life. And my life just took a dramatic turn for the better. Thank you for sharing that, Lauren. And um, I'm thinking, shall we start by looking at what self-compassion actually is? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So... You know, my kind of two key areas I coach in um, are mental fitness and self-compassion. And that's really driven by my own sort of personal experience. So I've had over 20 years myself of living with a mental health condition. Um, And so I see part of my coaching role as supporting others, um, helping them to kind of come unstuck and work through maybe some of the their fears and frustrations, some of their limiting beliefs. So someone might be feeling a bit lost or just frustrated. You know, they feel they've got so much more to give, um, but they they know and they may be partly or wholly aware that it's themselves that's sort of causing them back. So when it comes to self-compassion, the best way I can explain it is self-compassion is about how we relate to ourselves. So you're looking at that core relationship. What is that core relationship like, that one that you have with yourself? And the wonderful thing about self-compassion is that when we start to kind of look at that relationship, so maybe areas where, you know, there's three kind of key areas that I'll ask somebody, you know, do you tend to be very self-critical? Are you an overthinker? Do you tend to ruminate a lot on things? And can you sometimes feel like, even despite having maybe lots of friends or family in your life, that you can sometimes feel quite disconnected and quite sort of um, isolated from others around you? And nine times out of 10, if somebody is low in self-compassion, then they will say yes to all of those areas. So they'll say, yes, I am highly self-critical. Yes, I do tend to ruminate on things. And yeah, a lot of the time I feel quite alone. I'm so smiling. Kind of, sorry. Oh, sorry, Lauren. Yeah. I'm smiling because I was answering. I'm like, yes. well there you go that's it well that's probably quite an area maybe hopefully through the course of this interview Joe that you'll be able to determine whether you think maybe self-compassion is an area that you maybe need to work on so one of the first things I do with clients when I meet them uh, is we talk about the myths or the kind of barriers to self-compassion because Mm. this is one of the first things that we'll explore so a lot of people struggle with practicing compassion towards themselves because they feel um they feel like it's selfish is quite a common one um or they might feel that it's weak you know Mm -hmm. it's soft and weak um they might feel this was the one that I had that it would make me complacent so if I start to be kind to myself, if I start to be really encouraging, nurturing towards myself, then that will make me lazy. So that's, these are things that can often go on. They're kind of in the subconscious of our mind. They're things that make it difficult. They act as barriers 
for self-compassion. So what we do then is identify which of those beliefs is it you have. So for me, as I said, mine was um, self-compassion will make me lazy. So I believed basically that I needed to be hard on myself Mm. in order to achieve. So if I was going to be soft on myself and not soft, but kind or just understanding, gentle, then I thought I'd just become lazier. I wouldn't achieve anything. So let me see if I understand you correctly. So self-compassion is really that relationship and the way that we are talking to ourselves. Um, and it's, some of it is conscious, some of it can be quite subconscious as well. Um, and it goes beyond the little things that we do to kind of, uh, that are, as you mentioned, self-care. Mm-hmm. They're actually really examining the relationship that we have between our thoughts and feelings and and who we really are and what we really want, mm. I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's three core kind of components to, so it's not just self-kindness. And there's also, so self-kindness is like the antidote to the self-criticism. And that's what sure. really drew me to self-compassion in the first place, was that I wanted to learn how to motivate myself with encouragement rather than with criticism. So that's the one area. The second area is mindfulness. And that's the antidote to rumination or overthinking. So that's obviously, I know you've done a bit on that as well, Joseph, around that. Um, Really being able to step back from our thoughts and our feelings and being able to just be more, have more of a distance between them and more observe them, you know, and and not get entangled emotionally in them. So because that's a thought that I'm having. Um, I can mm-hmm. step back from that. It's not who I am. Because the opposite of, of mindfulness is also over-identification. When we have an experience or a thought and it becomes like, oh, I've done something bad. And the next thing you know, it's I am bad. You know, you've kind of mm. gone from just having a negative thought about something to I am now a bad person. So mindfulness just gives us that that space. I'm, I'm just wondering if I can remember the, there's a beautiful quote by Viktor Frankl. You know, he was in um, Auschwitz and he said yeah. in, it's in between the stimulus and the response. There is a space and in that space is freedom. And yeah. basically that's mindfulness. I think that just sums yeah, such a lovely mm-hmm. quote as well isn't it and it, I just I can really picture it as well mm-hmm. you know I can see like the s and the r and the little arrow in between and I'm just thinking you know stopping that and mm-hmm. kind of putting a cross in there yeah and that's the space isn't it that we're holding mm-hmm. yeah and I think it's um it's just so powerful really isn't it and we need mindfulness in order to be able to practice self-compassion because you need to be able to notice that you're suffering um, so, so yeah. c- compassion, you know, comes with suffering, you know, they come together. Um, so the mindfulness part comes in when we need to kind of recognize mm. that suffering's happening. So, and then the final part, sorry, go ahead, Joseph. All I was going to ask is, so would you say that that is your kind of start, not yours, uh, but just one's kind of starting point um, is to notice perhaps the language that we're using to notice the suffering that it could be quite unconscious as well. I would imagine, you know, we might be so used to certain feelings that we just have integrated them within our life. And, you know, I've noticed situations which I've been in that were quite tough. I only really realized afterwards how I felt about them. Would you say that this Mm -hmm. noticing and being mindful is 
um, is a good place to start. Well, definitely. It's, it's the place to start, I think, when it comes to self-compassion. But, but generally, I think in order to kind of not torture ourselves in a way about maybe things we've done wrong, mistakes we've made, you know, self-compassion is about kind of being like your own best friend, really, and, and allowing yourself to kind of that's the third part common humanity um versus sort of the isolation so knowing that we are all imperfect so so thank you for sharing that lauren i just want to make sure that i remember this so one is self-kindness the second one is um around mindfulness and the third one is that belief and that common humanity that that we all have Mm-hmm, exactly. So those are the three key components, if you like, of self-compassion. That's defined by Kristen Neff and Chris Germer, who are the founders of the Mindful Self-Compassion Practice. Um, so that's how they define it. They define self-compassion in that way. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's, it, and it's really nice to hear that because to me it shows that it's, it goes beyond kindness. I think a lot of people might... Yeah, self-compassion, the first thing that comes to mind is kindness, which is important, but there's other aspects to that. Um, because if, you, if you're not noticing what's currently happening in your body, in your thoughts, it's very difficult to be kind to yourself because you've got to miss that initial yeah. step in a way. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that maybe a lot of your listeners might relate to is that feeling of being out of sorts. Mm. You know, when you just feel not quite yourself, but you yeah. can't quite sort of put, put your finger on it. Um, well, there's a little practice that I can share with you later. Um, you know, and you're asking about um, some of the tools that you know we could I could recommend. Yeah. Um, it's called the self compassion break, and it's only five minutes, mm. but it just allows you to kind of, if you're feeling that way, just take a bit of time out. You know, just step back from your desk, just go and sit somewhere for five minutes and do this short meditation. And I think what it does is one, it helps you to identify maybe what is going on beneath the surface that's causing you to feel out of sores. Mm-hmm. And then it addressed you know, giving yourself kindness through using you know, physical touch. So using the hand over your heart and just being able to kind of feel the, the kindness kind of coming to, mm. through, to you through your fingers and just getting that comfort, you know, as well. So yeah um yeah i can i I can actually really picture that it's probably something that i mean i know it's something that i do when i when i feel i'm getting a bit overwhelmed i would just stop and sit down and um and maybe meditate for a few minutes or so and i find that really helpful can i ask something there lauren that has just come to mind um around so how do we you know, I love the idea. And, uh, you know, as we've had in our initial chat, you know, when we talked about ACT, it's very much a prominent in ACT, this idea about sitting in, um, sitting in with your emotions. Then at the same time, how do we, how do we stop from ruminating over that emotion? So there's an element of acceptance and sitting with the emotion. Is it just about awareness? Is it just about noticing? Is it just not pushing those feelings away how do we then not in a way tip over where we ruminate about the emotion that becomes unhelpful yeah I mean I think what probably in the self-compassion field they would say 
I mean, there's a lot of kind of techniques, I guess, you can use to kind of interrupt that. So when people tend to ruminate, then you might want to think, well, um, you could distract, you know, take do something to kind of distract yourself so that you're physically not giving yourself the, the time to overthink. Um, I think it's just a case of... you practicing the mindfulness as well. I mean, one of the things I have heard, and I actually believe is true, that if you are experiencing really low mood, like depression or whatever, mindfulness can actually become quite counterproductive. And I do actually believe that's the case. I think it can be actually make you feel yeah, worse. I can, I, can, I can hear you there. I can feel it. I was also wondering if, if that, you know, understanding self-compassion in itself will help with that because you will notice I suppose that sitting with that feeling is now no longer helpful and if taking that same analogy as if you were talking to a friend what would you say to your friend at that point you might say to your friend oh now you have to move on from it and I wonder if we use that same self-compassion when we're dealing with this with the situation I think will help they're also integrated, aren't they? These kind of techniques and tools and things that we use. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a great exercise. What would I say to a friend? So I, I use that a lot in uh, my group coaching with, with, with new clients. I'd say, well, what would you say? to this? This is, Imagine a situation. What would you say to your friend? What words would you use? What tone would you use? What would you, you know, would you, what kind of, physical gestures would you use and then they write it all down then I said okay imagine that situation is happening to you what would you say to yourself write down the language the tone the gestures and then I'd say okay let's look at the pattern the differences between the two and a lot of time people are shocked at like how they talk to themselves you know the way they talk to themselves versus how they would talk to a friend. And that can often, when I saw what I did to myself, I was shocked as well. And I thought, okay, I need to change that because it's just unhelpful. You mentioned Lauren as well. Um, you do some group coaching uh, in there. Perhaps, shall we start looking a bit more? I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued to find out a bit more around some of the clients who you work with. Do you mainly work one-to-one? Do you do group type work? Um, tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So um, I started the group coaching last year um, and it was the idea behind it was I had um, some people attending workshops that I'd put on and they were really keen to kind of keep going with the self-compassion work. And I also felt because it's like a skill, Mm -hmm. self-compassion is a trainable skill that we can all develop. And like I said, some of us are better at it, you know, from the outset than, than others. Or for some, maybe that's not the best way of putting it. Some of us, it comes more naturally yeah. to us than others. So I felt um, in between my workshops that I could offer some group coaching, which would help people kind of get on, you know, embark on their journey, if you like, a journey of self-compassion. And it's a lifelong journey, like we're, we're on, you know, what, but it's almost like by joining the group coaching, people make a commitment. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a statement to themselves that they're committed to working on their relationship with themselves. 
Um, and it's wonderful to watch like the, the, the journey that people go on and hearing about the small wins that people are having and also to hear about the struggles that people are having with it as well. And so that's why I thought a group coaching setup would be really good because uh, we could all kind of you know bring a theme to each session mm. that we discuss. Oh, that's really exciting about the group coaching. Do you have any that are starting up or do you run these regularly throughout the year? Yeah, so the next one will be starting up just after the summer um, on the 14th okay. of September. Um, so that's okay. the group coaching. The one-to-ones people can access um, at any time throughout the year. So they just need to drop me a mm. line. Um, and then also, if there are any companies or organisations that were interested, I'm doing some um, wellbeing programme days for companies as well that they can inquire about, um, which can comprise of the coaching, some workshops and various different aspects as well. So there's a few oh, options. Great yeah. Stuff. yeah, great. And what we'll do, we'll put um, links to these and your contact details as well. So. If anyone listening wants to get in touch directly. Oh, thank um, you. That's wonderful. Thanks so much. So you've done some one-to-one work, uh, some group coaching as well. And what do you notice in people as they start developing this skill of self-compassion? Well, just the kind of lightness that comes back into people's lives, I guess. You know, they're much, you know there's a real and the freedom that they get as well because you imagine somebody who's a huge overthinker who's ruminated for years or somebody who's been really hard on themselves or cruel to themselves for a long time and then that starts to lessen you know the grip of that starts to kind of lessen and what that allows into people's lives you know more creativity more energy more fun more lightness you know, there's a lot of things that it does definitely um, change for people, you know, and that's great to see. I mean, when I hear about people who have, you know, start been, always been really tough on themselves and then they, they tell me a story about, you know, well, this week, I, I couldn't believe it, you know, this happened and I instead of saying this to myself, I said that. And it can just, I mean, that's what I said about, you know, setting my life on a new trajectory because it's quite huge, if you imagine. There's another really great quote about, you know, you can't change your destination overnight, but you can change your direction. Mm, nice. Yeah. yeah, it's nice. So that's what I see self-compassion is doing that's why I'm so enthusiastic about it because I really believe it has the potential to significantly improve people's lives yeah you know it's because of that core because it's changing that core relationship as well and and even in my own life I you know I started dating and Mm -hmm. it's definitely helped me in my dating life because before where I could be maybe judgmental of myself and other people I'm a lot more kind of open-minded and it's opening up more experiences because you know I'm less harsh on other myself so I'm going to be less harsh on others that just naturally follows so it's had an impact on that aspect as well so yeah yeah and I could really feel it as you were saying that part of me it's interesting felt like oh but what if I get lazy and what if I get complacent and you know um and I could I could really feel that as you were as you were saying it in such a um, positive way but my immediate reaction 
was to go into mm. that place. It's all of our conditioning as well. Like we've got years mm. and years of conditioning, education, social conditioning, yeah. like our parents, you know, it's just things that are so deeply rooted that they aren't going to change overnight. That's what I'm saying. It's a long, it's a journey. It's like a, a commitment that you make, you know, to live your life differently in terms of how you relate mm. to yourself. But it is something, I mean, I've been doing it for about five years and I still can struggle. Like I can still have difficult days where I ruminate on things or where I can be really hard on myself for doing something that was a bit silly and, you know, mm. but... Yeah. It's got ups and downs, yeah. isn't it? Like everything else in life, find it's not that you learn these skills and you start becoming more self-compassionate and it's going to stay like that. It's going to have a few kind of peaks and troughs as you go exactly. through. Exactly. You might wake up one day, you've had a terrible night's sleep. I know that my thinking mm. patterns can be really negative if I've not slept enough. So it's something as yeah, simple as same. that, really, that can same. make it harder. Same, same. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I guess that's when self-compassion comes in because one of the things I've mentioned, you can decide to be kinder to yourself mm. because you know that you've had um, a not particularly good night's sleep. So you understand what's happening. You're noticing what's mm-hmm. happening. You're tapping into that common humanity as well mm. that we all have around that, the need to sleep, mm. the need to rest. And I think at the moment, you know, we do need, we do, we do have a need to rest more because I think mm-hmm. there's like seismic yeah. things that are going on in the world um, and I think you know giving ourselves permission to rest and take time out is really really important and that is not lazy yeah. that is you know self-care and self-kindness as yeah. well yeah 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 I noticed a couple of years ago um, I couldn't rest so if I if it was particularly on a weekday um, if I'd sit down to have my lunch break and I might have, you know, slotted an hour in there um, in between meetings or whatever I'm doing. Um, and I'd really struggle because I'd feel I'm mm. being lazy and I'd feel like, you know, that all those thoughts come into place. And I had to really develop myself to enjoy um, that feeling of, yep, there might be some other stuff, but actually this is what you're choosing to do now because this is what you want to do. This is important mm, Exactly, exactly. And that's kind of answering the question, which is like the core of self-compassion, which is what do I need? You know, that's the mm, core question. Yeah. And so you're, you, you were yeah. answering that there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We also kind of use the word positivity a fair amount of times today. And to me, um, it, no, I feel that self-compassion is slightly different to being positive and having a positive outlook. Um, What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously there are elements of positivity in self-compassion. You know, self-kindness is a positive thing. It's positive to be kind to yourself. Um, It's, you know, so there's definitely kind of elements of that. Um, But as I said, you know, what self-compassion does is it helps us to build our emotional and mental fitness um mm-hmm. you know and so it and as I mentioned it also but it comes with like su- compassion and suffering go together so that's how I feel yeah. it differs yeah. slightly is that self-compassion is acknowledging um that we are suffering you know acknowledging that suffering and that we want to you know give ourselves compassion because we are suffering not necessarily mm-hmm. to alleviate it 
And it's not always yeah. to alleviate it. It's more just to acknowledge that we're going through a really hard time. I think that's another thing to relate to the pandemic in a sense. That I think, I think if we were to have conversations with others, deep conversations, we would acknowledge that we are suffering. You know, this is a mm. period of almost collective trauma, like what we're going through. So it's important to kind of acknowledge that, you know, people are having to live their lives um, with their home life, their professional life. And that was very busy and hectic before. And now there's like another layer, you know, on top of it that they have to navigate as well. So yeah. where, that's where, why I feel at the moment self-compassion is, the, the ground is fertile like for self-compassion right now because the world is suffering to different degrees in different places perhaps, but we need that kindness, we need mindfulness, we need to recognise that we're doing the best we can and that, yes, we might be mm. failing in some ways at times, um, but that's okay, and, and not to kind of beat ourselves up about it. Um, so I think that kind of is the way in which it deals, it differs, sorry, from positivity, which is around more yeah. just try and look for the good in the situation. Self-compassion is more yeah. about, well, let's just acknowledge that this is hard, you know, and I think it's more yeah. real in that yeah. way. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it also gives us that courage to mm -hmm. um, really, not necessarily confront, I'm not sure confront is the right word, but just to yeah, sit with the emotion. Whilst with positivity, we might be finding that silver lining. Mm -hmm. With self-compassion, I would imagine it's more around having that courage to be able to sit with the emotion, even though we might know it's not a particularly pleasant one, but we're making a choice to be with that emotion and to learn from it, to grow from it uh, in a kind way to ourselves. Mm, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's exactly right, Joseph. I think um, I love the fact that you use the word courage because Kristen Neff says that a lot, that in order to practice mm. self-compassion, you need to have courage because it, ta it takes courage. Tara Brach, another wonderful woman in the field, she will often talk about, you know, the, the fact that we need courage to practice self-compassion because it's not easy yeah. and a lot of people yeah. choose not to do it it's too hard some people mm -hmm. find it too difficult yeah. some people think it's easier to numb the bad feelings out or just to run away from them or you know to pretend they're not there um so it definitely d does take you know I have worked with some people and it just was too it was too hard for them mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that I've also seen in my own clients. It's not actually easy just being with that difficult emotion. Um, Lauren, we are unfortunately reaching the end of our podcast. And as you know, I could talk about this for ages. Um, but before we go, it would be great if you could share perhaps a couple of tips with us, a few ideas for those listeners who are interested in the topic or they want to develop uh, their own self-compassion as well. Yeah, sure. So the first the kind of simplest one that I would recommend is what they call soothing touch. So that's obviously kind of, you know, finding a place. The most common one is, you know, just putting a hand over your heart. Mm -hmm. um, and you, know, you might have, 
one hand, two hands over your heart, one hand over your heart, one on your stomach, or some people like to just sort of rub their arm or cup their head in their hands, um, just somewhere that you can kind of give yourself um, that kind of soothing touch. And it's very, very powerful because what it's doing is often we're in our threat defense system and mm. the soothing touch activates the care system mm. that brings in the good feel good, the oxytocin, the endorphins, the good you know feelings so that's a very powerful one and, that i would definitely recommend and would you say you hold you kind of you you do that for a, a minute or so or um would yeah. you practice it at different points throughout the day or when you're feeling a bit overwhelmed what do you think yeah i think when you're feeling a bit overwhelmed it can be a really good one so say people are returning to the office they're finding yeah. it a bit overwhelming they might just want to nip to the loo just do it while they're while they're in the loo um you know, you can do it if you find a space that maybe just rubbing your the lower part of your arm or mm. just on, hand on your stomach. You can do it while you're at your desk. On the website, Kristen Neff's website, self-compassion.org, she's got a lot of her core meditations. So things like affectionate breathing, compassionate body scan, um, you know, compassionate friend. She does a lot of fantastic um meditations that I would really recommend as well um, and I would definitely recommend the book Self-Compassion by uh, Kristen Neff it's a fantastic read honestly if you're interested in self-compassion at all it's a great starting point and I think that was it Joseph I just had yeah yeah that was pretty much the ones I thought would be useful oh perfect perfect mm -hmm. so so thank you so much lauren um, um as i mentioned earlier thank you for sharing some of your personal examples as well um i think it has really brought today's topic um into into light into practice mm -hmm. as well so so thank you for being with us today well you're welcome i enjoyed it thank you joining me today on this latest episode of Coaching in Focus with Lauren McQuaid. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it's given you some areas of reflection, particularly in relation to your own self-compassion. If you have enjoyed this episode, we would absolutely love it if you could leave us a review wherever you have found this podcast. It means a lot to us and it helps make the podcast more visible to other people and other coaches out there. So until I see you next time, thank you very much and take care.